Lord God, we just give you thanks for uh, this chance to be together, uh, to, uh, to engage in another stories from the center. And Lord, I just am grateful that Diane was willing to, to be a part of this time together today. May uh, we just have a, a sense of peace and comfort about ourselves that we can um, just show folks that we're just having a conversation and we can learn and grow in that time together. Thank you for Justin, his, um, just his expertise, his um, desire to help us uh, be our, our lead engineer um, with all the, the work that he's doing to help get these things launched. And we just pray for the listeners today, Lord, as um, they come to listen to this podcast, that they can get to know Diane more and that we can learn from her and her stories and the impacts those stories make upon her life and how they, we pray, Lord, impact our lives. Um, be present with us now in this time of... Um, of fellowship, of this time of learning and growing together in grace. And thank you for your um, Holy Spirit that, that breathes upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great. Welcome from downtown Fayetteville, North Carolina in Stories from the Center. This is David Blackman with our special guest today, Diane Parfit. Um, we are just so excited about continuing these conversations and learning um, about the many folks here in downtown and, and what they mean to us and their stories. And we can't wait to hear those stories today, Diane. So we say welcome. I want to just share, as I, I try to do each time, recognizing some of our listeners may be listening for the first time, sort of our um, desire to share these podcasts and what these podcasts mean to us. And we believe a podcast can facilitate helpful and holy conversation concerning justice, freedom, and peace. These are real concerns um, for the Fayetteville community, especially as our city continues to navigate our history, our present realities, and our future possibilities. Participants, we hope, will reflect on what justice means, the connection freedom has within our community, as we are uniquely positioned to our neighbors at Fort Bragg, and the desire to live together in peace. And through seeking the stories of our people, we will find and celebrate the places where justice, freedom, and peace intersect and inspire listeners to practice the same. So today we welcome Diane Parfit. She's a retired nurse. Um, she's a former North Carolina State representative and currently the owner, along with her husband of 50 years, Dr. Hank Parfit, of City Center Gallery and Books. Friends originally from Texas, um, she was reared outside of Washington, D.C. She's a proud alum of the University of Virginia where she received her nursing degree. She's also a member of Tar Heel Nation <laughs> and uh, having received her master's degree in nursing there, which she then went on to work as a pediatric nurse for many years and taught nursing school, get this friends, at UVA, Johns Hopkins, UNC, and the University of Utah. Um, she has impacted lots of folks um, throughout this great nation. She's been a faithful member of many community organizations for the arts. She served on the board of the Child Advocacy Center here in Fayetteville. Um, she has two grown children with Hank and two grandchildren. Go grandma, that's wonderful. <laughs> in 1999, um, they opened the City Center Gallery, an art gallery, and then expanded the City Center Gallery and books in, in 2003. Um, she was appointed to the North Carolina General Assembly House and served in 2010, then won election and served until 2013. She's a member of the, of the Fayetteville Downtown Alliance, the Lafayette Society, the Fayetteville Kiwanis Club, and the American Friends of Lafayette. She recently began serving as our church council chair here at Hay Street. We are so glad she's a United Methodist and certainly welcome her to the podcast this day on a St. Patrick's Day afternoon with aromatherapy going on here on the stage. We are in the gymnasium, friends, where Justin has created this great sound studio for us. And today is Wednesday, and, uh, and below us, right below us, are the uh, smells and the work going on 
with Jennifer um, getting ready for our Wednesday evening fellowship. And chicken and pastry smelling really good. It's so, <laughs> smelling wonderful. It's smelling I can't wait. <laughs> so, Diane, we say welcome to you and so grateful for you being willing to be a part of this today with us and to continuing these stories from the center. And I just want to invite you to share maybe a few words of welcome as you um, take, a, take a low to our, 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 our listeners. Absolutely. David, first of all, thank you for inviting me. And thank you for being a part of this really important initiative in our community. It is so needed, and I'm so glad you're getting a variety of people to participate. It's good for all of us. Amen. We hope so. Good, And it's good for me. I have truly learned and grown. And um, your husband was my last guest, so this is awesome <laughs> to have you both coming in. And I'm looking forward to hearing about your stories today. So, Diane, let's start off with this. I, you're our first guest who has political experience, and I'm just ecstatic about that in this political world of North Carolina. I'd love to hear your reflections as a public service servant and any stories about justice that you may have been engaged with um, with respect to your work in the Assembly. Well, th thank you very much. I was very honored to be appo appointed to fill a vacancy, and then the hard work started, number one, being a legislator, and number two, running for re-election. Sure. We won't go into okay. that, but okay. it was it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Amen. But well worth it. I, it was an opportunity to meet my constituents, to meet more people in the community than I would have ever had an opportunity to meet. You know, you think that you everybody knows you because your little circle knows you. Right. And then you realize your world is way bigger than that little circle. Mm -hmm. So the best thing I did with that was to get out and meet everybody. And so one of the things I, I found out in relation to justice was Justice is about righteousness, about mm. being right, being mm. fair, being equitable, mm -hmm. all those things that we're really talking about now. And so when I got in the General Assembly, I have to say, and I don't want this to be a, a political conversation, sure. but I think in this day and age, we can't help. You know, politics is about uh, negotiating with people, working with people, sure. compromising with people. So the first year I was in, I thought this government stuff is great. This is really easy. And then we had the election of 2010, which some people might remember. It was kind of a, a big change in North Carolina, particularly. Sure. Sure. And so things shifted. So when we got back into office in uh, 2011, after the 2010 election, we dealt with voter suppression laws. Mm. And it was happening nationwide. And I thought we had gotten over that in 1965 with all of the, the changes in the voter laws to allow more people to work. Because democracy is about people being a part of the process. Sure. And when you enact laws that uh, don't allow certain populations access to voting, one of the things they did that I found outrageous was they didn't want students to vote. So they closed down polling places on college campuses. You know, I remember when they reached out to people to get them to register mm -hmm. to vote. And so I found that very disconcerting. So the group I was working with worked very hard to undo some of those laws to prevent some of them coming into effect and fortunately the courts threw most of them out but we now find in 2020 2021 10 years later 
it's starting all over again. And that really bothers me because I don't think we're being righteous. I don't think we're being fair. I don't think we're engaging all of the people that need to help me when I was a legislator know what needed to be done. I don't want somebody who votes differently than me to not have a right to vote because at the end of the day, I want them to know they had a chance too. I had a chance, you right. had a chance right. to have your, your voice heard. Sure. Diane, I really appreciate you helping us to see that, you know, a story from the legislature and how that was such a prominent part of getting right into it after that election in 20, 2010. As you work through those, those issues, and back to your earlier comment about um, getting to know your constituents, that's, um, that's, I think, the ideal that we as voters perhaps um, carry with us into those kind of election situations and wanting our, our folks who we've, we've elected to represent us to know us. Um, and I love this idea of, of you, you, we, we think everybody knows us, but we have a small, a small group that knows right. us. And, and I think that that's something for us to be thinking about as we consider this podcast goal of justice, freedom, and peace, that, that we want what's right for everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and in this day and age, that's difficult to define because everybody has a definition of what's right. Yeah. Um, and what's wrong, and I think that that's, um, that's the negotiating piece that you talked about, right. and, and massaging that, of, of thinking about what, is, what does this justice issue mean for as many people as possible. Um, yeah, so say more. Please, well, what, one of my favorite things to do is I, as a legislator, I got to go into the schools and talk to kids, mm -hmm. from elementary school to high school, and I talked about compromise, because compromise had become a bad word. You know, people say, well, if you compromise, you've given up your values, you've given up your ideals. Yeah. Well, do we want a certain thing that the government's going to do to be all one way or another? Or do we want to work together and find something that you and I can both live with? Yeah. And so with the little kids, I said, let's talk about if, you're, if your school, if your elementary school was going to pick a color of a T-shirt for all of you to wear and your side wanted red and my side wanted blue and what are we going to do if you get red you're happy but i'm not right well let's see if we can find purple maybe right, that sure. we could both live sure, with or sure. a totally different color and so we don't exclude anybody we don't leave anybody out we allow everybody and compromise means sitting down and talking about it and negotiating sure sure and the kids got it the sure. little kids got that sure you know compromise common community i mean there are all those similarities that come with that and i think that we need more of that good discussion happening and, yes and that's part of our goal with the podcast is that we hope this does does lead to more folks talking about Issues Absolutely. of justice, issues of um, peace and freedom, for sure. Um, Diane, thank you for that, that opening um, story for us. Let's move to um, your role as a downtown business owner, your role as a resident here in downtown, um, being a part of this community. You've been a part of the Fayetteville community for many years. You understand the importance of our military connections and all the good folks that we've got vital friends out at Fort Bragg and how that connects with our city. Is there a particular story of freedom that, that just um, helps our listeners, and perhaps folks who are not, that don't know Fayetteville, but is there a story of freedom that you can share with us today that helps us to understand what's happening here in Fayetteville? Well, 
First of all, we love the military being here, and we're very fortunate that we get a lot of militaries who come downtown and uh, come to the store. One of my favorite things about the military, when we early when we first opened the bookstore, it was it was in early 2000, so we had a lot of things going on worldwide where the military was being sent. And one of the things that happened. Whenever a, a group of troops were getting ready to deploy, the parents came to visit them. Mm. And so we would get a lot sure. of visitors come downtown. Right. And we'd get some of the soldiers, and we'd get this young GI who would come down, and he would buy a stack of classics Wow! to take with him. Sure. And I, I've always said my bookstore is, is we have lots of classics, and we kind of focus on that. But we're a bookstore for all those books you should have read in yes. high school and college, yes. and you didn't. Yes. And so I was finding these soldiers were doing exactly what I wanted my bookstore to do, to provide those classics. And classics are an opportunity to read about really those stories that teach us all things about life and humanity and man's experience. So I just thought that was great. So we do love the military. We need the military. I feel very comforted to know that Fort Bragg is here protecting all of us. And one of the stories, which I think is, is duplicating what, what Hank said last week about our protest that occurred back in May downtown, and I am totally in favor of protests. As you mentioned in my bio, I grew up outside Washington, D.C., and Washington is known for lots of protests. And thank goodness most of them have been peaceful. Yep. There are some that were not, but the majority of them were peaceful protests, and the government needs to hear that. And People need to stand up for what they believe. So that particular day in May when we had the protest downtown, it was peaceful for the majority of the time. And as Hank mentioned, you know, he stayed outside more than I did because it was too hot for me to stay out completely the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so I'd go back in and, in and out of the store and then come out and talk to people. And that was such a wonderful experience to just engage with people and talk with people, again, who I might not have met before. Right. And um, so I really learned a lot of that, about that. And when things started turning a different way and it went from a peaceful protest to a little bit of an angrier protest, I really don't think it was that much of an angry protest as it was people maybe venting a little bit, yep. but also getting caught up sure. in the whole idea of a protest. Right. And I never felt unsafe for one minute. Yes, they were throwing bricks at certain places. I didn't stand out there as the bricks were flying, right. but we were out there before and after. And I really didn't feel unsafe. I think they were just acting out. Yeah. And the fact that, that we were there in front of our store for a majority of it said, we want to be here for you. I want to hear your story. Because right. I don't completely understand. I did know why they were there. It was George Floyd. Sure. And I totally support that. And one of the sad things I heard, I can't remember when it was, but it's been in the last couple of years, that nobody ever gets anything by asking. Mm. Mm. Can I have the right to vote? Did that work for women? Right. Did that work for blacks? Right. They had to protest. Sure. They had to stand up and demand 
and fight for it. Yep. So I respect their right to protest. I don't want it to be uh, damaging. I don't want it to be hurtful. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Sure. But I do respect their right to protest, and I need to hear that. Sure. Diane, as I, as I hear the, the, this um, thought, the reflections about freedom, you, you talked about these, um, these soldiers that were coming to purchase the classics. You know, we, we, we oftentimes here in a military community, um, our desire to support the soldiers who protect our freedoms. Mm -hmm. And so what a, what a great reminder to hear about these young soldiers um, reading the books that they may not have read in high school or did their best to get through those high school literature classes, but didn't quite finish those yeah. books. But to be carrying them overseas in their deployment um, to read those classics, to be shaped and formed by those classics, um, to be reminded about, you know, whatever through those classics. And then you shifted then to this, this story of um, a demonstration, um, uh, folks coming to live out that freedom to assemble, um, the freedom to speak of what was on their hearts and minds. Um, we, we struggle with that as a country. I think, you know, we're I'm reminded um, by my youngest son, Joshua, who um, said to us a few, a few months ago, Dad, we're such a young country still, and, and we are. And I think that, that truth reminded me that we're still learning. We're still trying to understand what democracy is. We have so many great successes with that story of democracy. And, and here you were able to, for me, connect um, soldiers who fight for that, who defend that, and then folks that are speaking their hearts and trying to um, bring to the attention of our community um, some concerns that they have. And, sure. and I think that, you know, we found our way as a city through that. And we're still finding our way. I Absolutely. Think that we have history here. We have a reality that's present. And, and we have a future that I, I pray is hopeful. And that as we continue to tell stories and the stories of what happened that day, um, new stories and new understanding can come from that. Yeah. And so I thank you for reminding us of those, those stories from that, that particular day that you, you in, engaged in. And I think through your engagement certainly had, had it bared fruit. And, and that's a great thing, Diane. So thank you for being an ambassador downtown during that busy time. Well, we love all the people who come down. Sure. I mean, truly, we've been we've been downtown 20 years, and it's a safe place to be. Um, you know, there might be some things about it we don't like, sure. but it truly is sure. a safe place to be. I have book clubs that back when we could meet in person, would meet at night and right. walk back to their cars, right. never had, you know, any problems. Right. And so I want people to know that downtown is safe. Downtown is the heart of our community. And it also is a microcosm of the rest of our community Absolutely. because we get people, you know, we're at the center of it, so we get people from northeast, south, or west sure. who come downtown, sure. and we welcome them all. Sure. And, and thus our name stories from the center. We, yeah, we just believe absolutely. we believe in that and believe in the diversity of this community and want to celebrate that. And we are we are getting to witness that through this podcast and our guests for yeah. sure. For sure. Diane, um, love to talk about this nursing part of your life. You have certainly <laughs> um, given yourself. Um, we we all perhaps listeners can talk about stories of how nurses have truly impacted their lives. Um, I would love to hear uh, maybe a, a connecting point of of a peace story within nursing and maybe 
um, how you perhaps brought peace or you experienced peace in those days of nursing, nursing and how that has shaped and formed you into the person you are today. Tell us about nursing. Well, I, as I said, you, you uh, help remind me that I grew up outside Washington, D.C. in a fairly middle-class, upper-middle-class neighborhood. We, we were not wealthy at all. We were just middle-class people, but I never wanted for anything. Uh, so I was very blessed. I was very blessed to go to good schools and go to good colleges, and I really always wanted to be a nurse. I never knew poverty. I really, you know, you hear about poverty, you read about poverty, but I never really knew poverty. When you're in the hospital, you're in my environment. Everything's clean. Uh, we make sure you're the patient is clean. Yep. And so everybody looks not the same to me, but you all look like my environment. Sure. And so I don't have a sense of what kind of background you came from, whether you're rich, poor, or, or, or whatever. Sure. I got into pediatrics. To me, children are all the same. They are all equals. But when I was in college and did my public health nursing, I really got to see poverty. And the most profound experience for me was I was assigned to a family that was in a rural section of uh, Albemarle County where Charlottesville was, and it was only a few miles out. And it, it was a family who, had, she had just had a baby, so I had picked her up from the, the OB clinic, and I went out there, and I'm a senior, so I'm 21. She's 19, and she just had her fifth baby. Wow. No indoor plumbing in sure. the house. Sure. I'm sitting there with her in my little public health nursing uniform, right? and in walks a deer and nibbles on my leg. Oh, it's just the little baby deer that all the, the little kids love, and it's okay. So, I mean, I'm totally, totally in shock that somebody would live like this. I can't remember if they had electricity or not, but I know they didn't have indoor plumbing because that was one of the issues that I went back to the health department and worked with a sanitation engineer on getting some things in place. And I visited back and forth with her uh, Probably somebody listening to this might go, they're black. Hmm. Five children, 19 mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. No, she was white. She was married to the same man she had been married to. Okay. Um, they were obviously 13, or she was 13 when she right. got married. And he had a job, but to support five children, and he was working hard to do it but they were just in t a tough, tough situation. So this stayed with me in my heart, that this can happen to anybody, sure. that black, white, they all are vulnerable to what is going on in, in their environment. So that really st stuck in my brain. So as I worked through thinking about all of this, I realized poverty is really the root of all of these issues. And if you look around and think about gangs, uh, riots, the issues that provoke it, mm -hmm. the situations that people are in, war and terrorism, sure. it often goes back to poverty. Mm -hmm. And so what we find out is if you, it, 
poverty is the issue, then there's lack of education. Lack of education prevents you from changing your life situation. And so it just becomes a circle. And so it results in people who, they're in poverty, so we disenfranchise them. Because yeah. they're not worthy of having a vote. We're not, we're not gonna let them have a vote. So they don't have a voice. And so now we see that poverty, um, lack of health care, lack of all these things that you and I are used to having results in they're not going to get justice because they're not going to get equality. Sure. They're not going to have all the basic needs met. Right. And so at the end of the day, we find out that justice and freedom, equality, and all of these, it's a circle. It's one of these circles that we just either keep perpetuating it or we break the circle right. and we lift people out of poverty and so they have a better chance of enjoying all the things that, that justice and equality should provide them. Yeah. But in the meantime, we should not oppress them. Right, and take away their freedoms. Take yeah. away their freedoms. Um, Diana, as you're talking about those justice and the freedoms and, and, and the sense of a lack of peace because those have been violated or not supported, I think that's the struggle. I, I, I appreciate this reflection about um, this young family and, and how, how grateful I am for, I guess, the field, the field experiences, the field education oh, that yeah. our, our institutions of higher ed provide us and provide as you you were vulnerable with us today to express to yourself express to ourselves today you came from a, a middle class um, had everything you needed and so in this this place of education and in that experience as a senior in your nursing program you were provided a place to say let me show you what else the world has going on mm -hmm. and that your eyes were opened oh, your yeah. heart was opened um, to realize that th there's a lot of struggle out there and there's a lot of brokenness and yet there's love out there because the way you describe this family a husband who continues to love his wife who's yeah. doing everything he can to support that family um, that's that's in many respects the American dream um, absolutely and, and I think that that's where I am grateful that even in those moments of what we define as poverty there's something rich going on there mm -hmm. and there's something um, incredibly um, connected there to justice freedom and peace even if it's not the same definition that we might have um, for that family it sounds like there was love and there those was kids love. Were love and it, yeah you know and in so many cases love can be the thing mm -hmm. that makes the difference sure but they still have to have food sure <clears throat> they still have to have health care those Maslow hierarchy needs mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. and so hopefully those of us who at that time can help with that that's our job sure sure what a great experience that was and, and a great story to hear that when you talked about I want to go back to your um, talking about being in the hospital and and that space being clean and that space that was a peaceful space for you yes and uh, the, the thought that I have there as you were describing that and as patients when I've been a patient in a healthcare facility <laughs> I just recall that we're all dressed the same you know, we're all in those gowns that are just mm -hmm. very yeah. decorative. You know, just <laughs> we all have this sort of equality with the gowns that we have on. And then you talked about these babies and the infants. They're always wrapped in those beautiful blankets. Mm -hmm. They do always look clean because they are clean, mm -hmm. because the staff's keeping them clean. 
And there is this sense of peace that just takes over that hospital um, place, and also knowing that there are not always peaceful places in the hospital. Right, right. There's tragedy. There's there's life life stuff going on. But I, I just um, I, I just think that you helped remind me that what a great equalizer. Yes. You know, I've oft, I've oftentimes said that there are schools do that really remarkably well too. When I get to go to Margaret Willis and and participate in walk watching the children walk down the hallway, they're going to the lunchroom. They're going to eat, you know, and they're going to sit at the same tables together and. And um, they're supposed to behave together in that lunchroom. But, but I just like that there, there are those places in our, in our communities where we are, in a sense, equal, I hope. And I hope that that's the, the hope that people see there, that maybe, maybe a, ho- a hospital gown can bring us to that, that place of, you know what? Yeah, the, the banker's got to wear that gown. The guy that's, that's driving, the, the, guy that's driving the, the sanitation truck, he's wearing that gown. Um, the, the retirees wearing that gown, yeah, we're, we're all wearing that gown at some time. And, and that can be a place of peace. And we hope that it is, and we hope that patients realize that we're going to treat them all equally. Yeah. And, and that's what we're there for. We're there to help them with their health care needs, sure. uh, but also to treat them as a whole person. Yeah, make them and, better. Yeah. To make them better. Yeah, I, I just, that's what I think that, that continues to drive my passion for this podcast is that I know stories are making me better and that the, the folks who've been willing to share those stories are, are only adding to my story. And, and I, don't, I don't apologize for this role as a pastor that there's a story I believe in and it's God's story mm-hmm. and we're all a part of that story. And, and how we can relate to each other, how we compromise as you've talked about that today and negotiate and, and work through the difficult topics of our, our life and our world I think more storytelling is going to get us there. And, and I hope that that's the case for, for everyone listening today and, and to keep carrying us forward on that. Please. Well, you know, we, we teach our children through stories. Mm-hmm. We read to them when they're babies. We sure. read through, to them even after they can learn to read themselves. And I, I don't know what you did at Margaret Willis, but when we are able to go back into the schools, one of the things I did I do in my Kiwanis Club is read to the preschoolers. Right. It is one of my favorite things to do because you walk in with your little stack of books and the kids just love you. Yeah. I mean, by the end of the time, they're sitting in my lap and hanging on me. And because <laughs> I'm, you know, 300 miles from my grandchildren, it's just a beautiful day. They are open. It doesn't matter what color they are, what ethnicity they are. They are children. Their minds are open. They're sponges for learning. Yeah. They're sponges for love. Awesome. And it's just beautiful. And we need to remember that, that, that we can teach them so many beautiful ways to be, right. to be, to learn to compromise, to learn to share, to play on the playground sure, a sure, good way. Sure, sure. And, and to read stories because it helps us all learn. Amen. Amen. I want to put a plug in for you, Diane, that you have lots of stories at City Center Gallery and Books. <laughs> and I just hope folks will be drawn to... Um, to get down there to check y'all out if they've not been to your, your place before and just um, pick up a story and read that story. Diane, I just thank you um, for taking time today. Is there any other closing thought you want to share with us today or our listeners today? Well, in getting ready for this so that I, you know, kind of understand what we were going uh, right. to be talking about, I found this wonderful quote that just, I think, said everything. And um, I'm going to read it. Sure, please. 
please. The Universal Zulu Nation stands to acknowledge wisdom, understanding, freedom, justice, and equality, peace, unity, love, and having fun, work, overcoming the negative through the positive, science, mathematics, faith, facts, and the wonders of God, whether we call him Allah, Jehovah, Yahweh, or Yah. Wow. I love the justice, freedom, and peace in there. That's yes. wonderful, Diane. Yes, I mean, yeah. how ironic. Absolutely. Great, great way to close this out today. Diane, thank you, and we thank, um, thank you for your stories. I pray that you keep telling those stories and sharing those stories that other folks can come to know you more, and I know you'll keep listening to the stories around you. We are just so grateful for your presence well, with us today. Well, thank you so much, David. Sure, this sure. has been great. Amen. We thank Justin as our lead engineer. Friends, we thank our sponsors, the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, the Cool Spring Downtown District, and all of you as listeners. You're the most important part of this. And friends, we are grateful for your willingness to participate today in this story with Diane Parfit. We pray it's a great day, a happy St. Patrick's Day whenever you'll be listening. <laughs> And trust that you'll find a place that might have some aromatherapy for you today because I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> chicken and pastries are doing it for us today for sure. <laughs> Take care. Be well. God bless everyone. Thanks so much for joining today.